Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast, podcast that's hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about being set apart. Uh, so Chris, do you have anything that you own, something you possess that's kind of different? Maybe it's something that's unique? Uh, yes. Uh, when I started thinking about this question, I thought, well, I really I really don't have anything, but the thing, I, I do have a section of my bookshelf that um, are books that have special meaning, kind of, a so, couple of them are uh, artifacts that are uh, Baptist-centric. <laughs> it's, it's historical books that were uh, the a part of a... a the Southern Baptist controversy uh, of the sixties and seventies. Um, but my favorite book is an autographed book. And uh, it, so in my early years at Lifeway, um, I helped a VP with a, with a book. And uh, after, after we were finished, I was the continent. He actually wrote it. Uh, but a- after it was done, um, I asked his AA if he would, if I could get a copy and maybe have him sign it. And she said, sure. He'll, he does that all the time. I'll get that for you. So a couple of days later in house mail, I received a book um, that, and so here's the inscription, Mike, great job on the book. Couldn't have done it without you. Good job, Mike. I mean, Chris. Good job, Mike. <laughs> so it, I've just, it's it's helped me to stay humble. <laughs> That's good. I feel like I'm looking over your shoulder at what uh, something that you have that's unique. Yes, anyone who's been in a Zoom call with me has seen this because I guess it's been about a year and a half ago. A uh, I got notice of a, a church that needed to get rid of a grand piano, so I took it off their hands. Uh, the reason they were and they they were giving it away just because it would not hold a tune. So I took about four or five months in my garage and converted it into a bookshelf. So it, uh, my son even helped me put some LED lighting in it. So it's kind of lights up and, but it's my bookshelf now. So yeah, that's kind of unique. I would say so. The reason we're talking about things that are unique is that's where our study is going to be going for the next six weeks. Things that are unique are to use the word set apart. That is the focus of our study, being for us as uh, believers to be set apart. We're talking about holiness. What does holiness look like in the life of a follower of Christ? So when we started talking about this study, I, I like the idea of talking about set apart. And um, I immediately went to the idea of um, the, the theological term uh, sanctification which um, describes what it means for believers, uh, followers of Jesus, to be literally set apart for God's service, right? That's correct. Uh, I think that's an, uh, sanctification is a great term to, to describe what the Christian life is like but from the moment we become believers to the moment of glorification, to, to the moment we, we're in uh, heaven with, in Christ's kingdom with him. Uh, but it was that gr- it's a growing process of sanctification. We do talk a lot about sanctification. We just don't use that word. 
Um, so we we use the terminology set apart. Um, and, and throughout the study, over the next six weeks, we're going to we're going to unpack different elements of what it means to be set apart. Um, a, a good a good starting point is to understand that there were things in Jewish worship in the temple that were uh, items that were sanctified. They were set apart for just the purpose of worshiping God in the temple, right? Yes. And so that's where the idea comes from. Um, it's, it, it's original, its original meeting had, had these things in mind. And uh, in the New Testament, uh, we, we see, especially in Paul's writing, that he, he would use that same language that same terminology to say, just as those instruments, just as those uh, articles of worship were set apart, they were sanctified, they were to be used only for the worship of God. So are you as believers. We are unique. We are set apart in, in uh, specific ways to be used by God. And I think that's why this study is going to be so uh, for special for me, because over these weeks, we're going to be looking at what does that mean practically for me to be set apart in my thought life and my actions in, in, different, in different ways. But for us to talk about our sanctification, to understand our holiness, we have to begin with God's holiness. And which is what our first session is going to be about, the holiness of God. We're going to be in Psalm 99 to do this. With our, This is the point we're driving at. We want us to see that God is holy. He is set apart from everything else in his creation. For this session, we're going to be in Psalm 99. Let me just uh, begin with the first three verses, which are going to help us see that God is set apart. God is holy in his greatness. The Lord reigns. Let the people tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The, earth, the Lord is great in Zion. He exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awe-inspiring name. He is holy. So, Lynn, we, in this passage, we've introduced the, the word holy, and, and so it's I think for those who are listening, um, it will be beneficial for us to unpack uh, the significance of that term. So when I hear holy, and I, I think I'm every man here, uh, I think most of our listeners will be the same. When we hear holy, we think, especially when we talk about God as holy, we think about righteous and pure and perfect uh, that's, that's the ideas or the, um, the term, the terminology that we, that we first go to when we hear, hear the term holy, you think? That's true. Uh, and, and, and that is very true of God, that his, um, moral qualities, his character, he is certainly holy in that he is pure. He is holy and he's pure. There is no one who can match his Purity. Help us understand then the connection with holy 
to set apart. Well, that's that idea that holy means that that uh, literally the word holy is this idea of being set apart. So when we talk about his character qualities, his purity, his love, he is set apart. He is unique from the rest of creation in his purity. And so when we talk about holiness in this broad sense, it means God is set apart from everything else. He is God. He is not a part of his creation. He is unique and set apart from his creation. He is holy and he is holy above his creation. There is no one who is like God in any way. That's what makes him truly holy and unique, set apart. Okay, that helps. When the psalmist says here, let us praise your great and awe-inspiring name, he is holy. What David is wanting to see is, as he's saying to God, God, there's no one with a name like yours. No one who is a creator like yours, like you are. No one, and as we see as we unpack this passage, no one who is loving like you, who cares for us like you are. You are truly unique. You are holy. So when we sing and worship, there is none like you. That's the that's what we're that's what we're going after. That's what we mean. That is exactly what we mean. And what David has done here, he's depicted God as a king, uh, which is an indication of his greatness because he is the king of kings. And but you know, David understood this because he enjoyed many of the entitlements of being a king. Yet at the same time, David knew. I may be a king, but I am nothing like God as king of kings. So, Lynn, before we go to the next section, uh, one of the questions that we ask at this point uh, for our uh, groups to consider is um, this question. What do you find awe-inspiring about God? So, if you were writing the psalm, if, if you were expressing to God, uh, the same types of things that David did, what would be the attributes or the things about God that are um, awe-inspiring about him? Chris, for me, there are two attributes just jump to mind, and that is his love and his grace. Other religions will talk about their gods, their deities, but love and grace are not defining those beings. And now, some people say, well, if, that's more of a New Testament perspective. Granted, you really see a lot about God's love and grace in the New Testament. But every time I read through the Old Testament, I, I more and more keep seeing his love and grace. And, and what he did in his interaction with the Hebrews, even interaction with people and other nations, that calling them back, but it was always with that sense of uh, because of his love. And I, Chris, for me, that's what just inspires me. This, I just find so awe-inspiring about God. So the Hebrew term hesed is, um, takes into account the things that you're describing. It is, it is his loving kindness. It is his, his yeah. love, his grace. His uh, faithful love. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I, going along with that, and I, I think that sometimes we lose the significance of this um, when we compare uh, our God and what he has done for us in Christ is the, is the whole idea of forgiveness. There, there are a lot of people who think Old Testament, uh, God is judgmental, he's harsh, he's angry. But the Old Testament makes clear that God's a part of God's nature and his character 
is to be loving and kind and forgiving. Uh, he's the one that took the initiative to say, um, I'm, I'm going to take your sins away. I'm going to forgive you. And that's unique. Not all religions have that, um, that dynamic in play where, where other gods are forgiving, but our God is. Chris, we're going to see that, especially as we move on into the, uh, into the rest of this psalm. Some unique things about God that when I hold up against other religions, other world religions, other beliefs, they're not like our God in this sense. For instance, God, let's talk about his justice. He is set apart in his justice. As we see in, as we're going to see in this next section, that God is set apart in his justice. Let me begin reading in verse four, where it says, the mighty king loves justice. You have established fairness. You have administered justice and righteousness in Jacob. Let's exalt the Lord, our God, bow and worship at his footstool. He is holy. So again, we see that refrain, he is holy. We'll, we'll see it again. But um, I, I think it's significant, especially in our culture, that we talk, that we recognize that God loves justice. He's all about administering justice. He wants a world that is fair. Um, and I think sometimes we there are people in our culture who who would not see that as an attribute of God. Yes, you're right. They don't see it as an attribute because they want their their version of justice. They want justice their way. And there's always the idea too that we want we want justice for others. We want grace for ourselves. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, you know, I was having a conversation just two nights ago with, with one of my sons, and we were talking about this issue of just being overwhelmed by that, that, that thought of my sin in my life, that feel like I'm under God's judgment. But the reality is, yes, we are under, we are under judgment, but if you've given your life to Christ, you are no longer under judgment because Christ took that judgment. So God is a just God. He will deal with our sin. Uh, and But one way he has dealt with it that he over, offers to us is, I so love justice and I want to see you set free from sin. I'm going to take that justice upon myself, which is what Christ did at the cross. That's amazing. And that also gives us the opportunity in our in our groups um, to, to, to talk about God's grace and his salvation and how he makes this available to us. Yes. And Chris, that again goes back to making these comparisons to Allah, uh, different concepts of God people have, have out there. They do not talk about grace and forgiveness in light of justice. Now, there are some, certainly as you see so much about Allah, there's a very wrathful side to Allah as the Muslims define it. But you don't see the love and grace that's there. And again, that's what makes, as we talk about God's justice, that's what makes him holy and unique is his justice is there and he will see his justice done because he's all powerful. But we do not necessarily have to feel the wrath of that judgment because of what Christ has done for us. So a question that's asked, and I love this because uh, I think the answer to this question will be unique to each group. 
where do you long to see justice in our world? Um, I, I think that uh, this question um, will, will open things up for people to, to talk about sometimes their differences of, in perspective, um, but to express that desire uh, for for justice in the world. Yes, uh, we all have areas that we feel were things to happen that were unfair, that were unjust, and we have to trust that God is going to step in. Whether you're talking about uh, the abortion conflict that's going on, crimes that happen, drunk drivers who cause accidents, and you want to see justice done, we know God is going to step in, and He is just. And he will make all things right. But it may not be in our timing. <laughs> yeah, we want to, I want to see it happen now. I, I think of the, uh, the question of, of racial injustice, um, where um, this type of question will be different based on each individual church and group and community. And as we talk about the fact that God will exercise his justice, it will happen, that does not give us as believers an excuse or just to be, well, I'll just leave it in God's hands. Because let's remember that as God is holy, as First Peter tells us, we are to be holy because he is holy. Therefore, as his followers, we should do what we can to act on behalf of justice, to see that justice happens. We can bemoan the, the abortion issue, or we can do what we can to work to see God's justice happen. Now, let me take us on into verse 6, because we've looked at how God is set apart in his grace, his greatness, his justice, but it's also in his actions toward us. Verse 6. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those calling on his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. They kept his decrees and the statutes he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their sinful actions. So exalt the Lord. Bow and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Once again, the refrain, <laughs> God is holy. He is to be exalted and worshiped uh, because of that. So this is where you, you made reference to the, uh, the, the fact that uh, forgiveness would come into uh, the picture in this passage. Yes. And in this, remember, we're focused on God's holiness. And I think we see God's holiness, his uniqueness in these actions he does. He spoke to them in a pillar of cloud. Well, has anyone else ever done that? No. But it's the fact that it also says there's, uh, this is verse 8, Lord our God, you answered them. You are a forgiving God. And I know I'm repeating myself here, but what other religion, what other view of a God, a, a being out there, can that, can that be said about? All these other concepts of God come from ourselves. But God has revealed himself to us, and he is unique. Because my concept of a God that I'm going to make up on my own, again, it's going to be based on what I want, my idea of justice, my idea of what's all about me. I would not think in terms of a forgiving God. 
But that's exactly who God is. And that's what makes him so unique. That's what makes him, that, that's what helps define his holiness. So one of the questions that we have in this section, um, I hope we'll um, drill down to, so, so what? What does this mean for us? So it's this question. How do God's actions in the past give you confidence in your daily walk with him? So David here says, look at the examples of uh, Moses and Aaron and Samuel. Ultimately, David could say, I have experienced God's grace. Uh, so, but in our lives, what, where have we seen God at work that's helped us to know that we can trust him uh, in our daily walk with him? It's a good question. It is. And I think about another passage from the Psalms where it says, I was young, now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And it's that idea, I look back in my life and I was, you know, God has always been there for me. God has, uh, in his uh, love, his, his power, he, everything, God has been there. He's seen me through so much. So I can trust him with today. And I can trust them with the with the tomorrow. So our hope is that in, within our groups, that this will that there's the opportunity for sharing and and uh, possible testimony um, of someone talking about, um, man, you know, I was going through a hard time, and uh, I I was amazed that at how God provided for me. I I didn't see how I was going to get out of the financial mess that I was in and um, uh, the people of God in, in, in my church uh, supported me and loved me and provided for me. So, you know, even just talking about this, I remember stories in my life, how, how God in has abundantly provided, um, you know, I, my dad had an accident when I was a teenager and there was a question whether he would would walk again. And um, people in the church uh, provided food, financial assistance um, in many ways. And uh, I think of stories that I've heard through the years of churches stepping up and paying a mortgage payment or two or three for someone that was in a in a financial crisis. And, uh, you know, I, so I think of individuals in my life, a, a banker named Joe Urban, who, who just told my dad, you know, hey, uh, whatever you need, I'm good for it. Uh, I, I know you're good for it. Uh, you, you say the word, we'll 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 give you a personal loan to uh, to tide you over. Um, and it was because of the relationship that they shared. Uh, it wasn't just a business track that transaction. This was, a this was a guy that respected and loved my dad and, um, knew that he could be counted on and trusted and, uh, on, you know, just, just your signature will make this happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen everywhere. Very true. So as we begin this study, looking at our sanctification, it is important that we begin here with God's holiness. And I think just to realize that he is unique and set apart and we can trust him. Uh, Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we should have a fear of God that is a healthy, respectful, not a terror, uh, living in terror, but that healthy fear of God that helps me to see, God, you're holy, 
and I'm not. <laughs> because in his holiness, he has reached down to us so that we could become holy, so that we could become set apart in him. And I don't want to go too much down that road because that's really the focus of next week's Bible study. So I, I think I can sum this up. Um, when when we when we say um, I am holy, uh, it definitely is not the same as talking about God <laughs> in His holiness. Uh, but we can say that we are as the, as God's people, as the children of God, that we have been set apart for His service. And I hope that over the next few weeks we'll find ways to uh, discover. Uh, the unique way that God has set us apart as his people. Yes. And I am confident that all of you in your respective Bible study groups, as you interact and talk with people, I just think as you jump into Psalm 99, you're going to have a rich discussion around this. And we do pray that you would have a great Bible study. And we look forward to being with you next session. <laughs>